0: This talk engages with the theoretical space of ont, that is ontics, ontologies, ontological politics, and with, Barat, you could say, apparatuses. And I, um, I want to open this talk with a kind of focus on three concepts, not uh, the scholars I relate to per se, but by kind of selected texts. I turn to the concepts ontology onto epistem- epistemology, and ontics. I do not think the concepts are equal, um, but I argue it is productive to consider them within a conceptual space. I call that space uh, ont-star, um, where the star figures as a placeholder. A use of the star that I draw from programming. I will uh, really welcome your critique on uh, where my narration is too crude and, and, and kind of how to uh, problematize the, the politics even more. Um, after narrating this theoretical space, I will sketch an empirical vignette uh, from um, ethnographic fieldwork and close by analyzing that um, ethnographic moment Returning then to a discussion of this ONT star space and consider um, how that space of ONT might help to analyze uh, hegemonic relations. In her book, The Body Multiple, Anna Marie Mohl analyzes how the disease atherosclerosis is approached in a Dutch hospital. She finds it is not the same disease across the hospital, it is both known differently and materially differently engaged with in the hospital's wings. She identifies the human actors as enacting their specific ontologies, not just in words, but also in cutting patients' bodies or making their bodies move by asking them to walk, etc. Medical staff knows the disease in a specific way and turns it into a material practices. They enact an ontology. These are trained actors that Moll engages with, engages with in her book highly skilled in understanding and ontology, enacting it, and achieving desired effect, effects. What happens materially and what the medic knows and wants to happen seems to largely cohere and overlap. The epistemic and the ontological overlap. In Karen Barad's work, um, and she, she has written this book, Meeting the University Halfway, Um, She draws together her distributed analysis of onto epistemology. Uh, She has these hyphens in that. Um, In that oeuvre, she engages with Niels Bohr's philosophy of physics and knowledge. I don't engage with Bohr in, in this talk, but address the analytics resulting from her engagement with Bohr. Her case for the concept apparatus refers most to the experimentation device for analyzing light. Is it a wave, or does light consist of particles? This depends on how the experiment is set up. Core to her thinking of onto epistemology is the observation that in this experimental setting, how entities relate is not predetermined. Instead, that's the question. The entities and their qualities are not antecedent, but are emerging in their specific relations. In different relations, the entities are different. Barat coins their, their active relations as intra rather than interactions. Intra because these entities come to exist as such in their relations within this apparatus. And different interactions affect different phenomena. The phenomenon is an onto effect of the specific configuration of the apparatus. Relevant for me is that uh, uh, the physicist, the, the scientist who is conducting the experiment does not necessarily necessarily clearly know all the entities involved scientists try to configure the apparatus to test for specific unknowns so with Brian Wynn, we might call these unknown uh, unknowns however a second type of unknowns is also possible in her uh, writing unknown unknowns not all agency within the interactions are known barat for instance points to the role of a um, of cigars smoked habitually by scientists the cigars emitted sulfur that took part in the apparatus' interactions. And they seemingly needed quite some time to figure this out. Helen Veran mentions the notion of ontics in a classic chapter of hers in the book a and and After. Later in her 2001 book, Science and an African Logic and subsequent papers, she occasionally addresses ontics more extensively. She brings it up. Originally, to discuss how children learn enumerating and doing numbers, doing numbers is an embodied practice involving, for instance, brain, hands, eyes, explicating numbers again with the hands or with the tongue in a mouth. In observing different children doing numbers and comparing uh, comparing, for instance, volumes of liquids, she differentiates two groups of children, all children. Show the teacher how they do numbers pointing to specific quantities, however, some other children or, or some uh, part of these uh, of these children they reason they also reason why they do numbers in specific ways, and this letter is most notable in bilingual children. she finds while well, Verran says that all the children enact reals they, en- they engage in ontics some but only some theorize what's real and, and that, that kind of theorizing is then um, and, and doing, doing, doing the real, using that theorizing is what she calls ontology. Both ontics and ontology are political for their shaping of what is and what becomes real. In the space of ontics, in other words, relations can be enacted that are non, not necessarily explicated or theorized by the humans involved. Now, I zoom into a case of global carbon footprint printing for my uh, kind of empirical vignette, and I assess how much emissions a specific, um, well, well, that was a, sorry. The ethnography was about uh, how the company assessed how much emissions that a specific company emitted in the year 2008. This was part of an ethnographic study that I conducted between 2008 and 2010. The company's headquarter asked subsidiaries globally to deliver consumption data as well as, say, travel data to the headquarters, so that the headquarters sustainability team could translate all that data into carbon emissions. For instance, flying a kilometer of a short-haul flight emitted um, 180 grams of carbon emissions or carbon emission equivalents according to the standard they chose. In one of the subsidiaries, I had a chance to work with and observe the work of Nick. Nick was the head of facility management in that subsidiary. And that's a a story I I published already, but here I I, uh, try to use it for a different purpose. Nick received the task to gather all kinds of data, including about the cumulative sum of distances traveled by the subsidiary staff on short-haul flights. Alas, that data did not exist. What to do? Give up? No. His t- intuitive reaction was to generate the requested data. This intuitive reaction was not thought through. I will sh- try to, 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 to kind of sketch. For an engineer, his data generation consisted of basic arithmetic routines. I dare to claim he he enacted a habitualized arithmetic routine. Nick was a skilled engineer. His problem was he had to fill a data entry form. He assessed the situation, situation in this way. He had sufficiently relevant data that needed to be fit into the form. So let me zoom into this problem solving of Nick. Specifically, Nick was able to retrieve cost data, the sum of expenses paid for domestic flights. And this was the data he then employed to generate the desired data. He then defined or assumed that domestic flights crossed a distance of 500 kilometers, which is the maximum distance of short-haul flights as defined by the company and he assumed the cost of such a flight, 230 euros or so. The arithmetic routines that he mobilized were a division and a multiplication. Not, not very complicated maths. So first he divided the total amount of costs by the assumed individual flight's average cost. Then he multiplied the result by the average distance, 500 kilometers, to get to the total kilometers um, of all the flights. Assembling data two assumptions using this arithmetic. He constructed the requested data and entered it into the uh, company's database. So, so you yeah, have the data, you have these assumptions and with the arithmetic, you bring them together, you assemble that, construct the requested data and um, feed it into the database's form. Nick's boss demanded that Nick would not transmit any data that included uncertainties. Thus, the final record which the headquarters got to see did not include any uncertainties. Nick removed uh, lots of comments from, from his data um, about how he constructed data and, and some uh, kind of the problems he had. Um, all the data, he, he, like his final reports um, were lacking all the kind of qualifications. For the company, via its records, the calculative choices stayed invisible. Okay, so I'm briefly kind of running through how, how I might analyze that and um, touch upon how, how, how this might be interesting in, in terms of questioning how ontological politics can re- relate to, can be analyzed for questioning hegemonic relations. The next calculation shapes the company's historic emissions to date. This project of accounting for the global emissions, which I see as part of a kind of hegemonic project, um, that that got both stabilized and undermined. I argue for that because of the conflation of short-haul flights and domestic flights that affected systematically unbalanced unbalanced, over and under a code accounting of emissions. And I I can go into the the math details if you want, but but that's like not the key point I think in this talk. At the same time, Nick managed to get his job done. Like he needed to to provide data and and he uh, provided that data and, and then he could move on to the next tasks. Yet, Qualitatively, the footprint, the global carbon footprint, is erroneous. And and all the kind of nth order um, calculations, like other um, data achievements that draw on that uh, data, they're then erroneous too. So data practices um, are reconfiguring global emissions, um, at least the the way they are simulated or or presented, uh, producing and reproducing an unaccountable and unpredictable apparatus. With Moll's body multiple, Nick's practice appears as a form of enactment. He enacted an ontology of short-haul flights. From my ontological perspective, an error was conducted. With my ontology, uh, that that makes a difference between uh, short-haul flights um, and national domestic flights. Um, I, I generated competing data. However, uh, but also, uh, and that that was not Nick. Uh, Nick didn't kind of use that alternative ontology. That was just me. How, however, in other situations, Nick also generated competing data, uh, kind of recognizing um, that that there was not a simple uh, like ontology. So, so he corrected some errors when he um, recognized. Uh, that there are different d- data possibilities and, and then he decided for one. And so so there were different um, realities uh, momentarily until they got uh, collapsed uh, into a, a, a unit, a singular kind of solution. So with, with mole there, we, we clearly can see there is some multiplicity existing within carbon accounting. Different carbon realities exist and then they get narrowed down. However, in the, discussion, uh, in the situation discussed here, as Nick did not seem to develop an ontological nuancing um, of short-haul versus domestic flights, there is no ontology here relative to which there was an error. With Barad, I could say this. Within the apparatus, onto-epistemic relations enacted a phenomenon of emissions that were presumed to be known but not actually known. The phenomenon fails to offer traces of how the phenomenon got entangled. In contrast to the experiment for the users of the apparatus, the failure was not detectable. With Veran, Nick's work appears as committed to a complex organizational reality, getting the um, job done swiftly um, using well-established engineering routines. So the practice, uh, so so his practice was um, on tick. Um, It wasn't explicated beyond the doing of the numbers. It's political in various ways in not establishing accountability, it's uh, political in enacting a part that is um, part of a kind of hegemonic simulation of corporate social responsibility. Um, so my, the gist of my argument is that data politics and practice is not fully determined by ontologies. Data practice is better conceptualized as taking place in a space of ont- with ontic and ontologized relations. I would not treat ontics and ontology as a dichotomy but rather as part of a continuum and practice um, can be more or less theorized and theorizable by the pr- practitioner." Um, so that's relevant for the kind of challenging heteromorphic relations because workers might also create space for, uh, with, for their own freedom by way of not deeply engaging with some data practices, feeding data to superiors that, without kind of uh, engaging with that. Um, The complete effects of ontics are not necessarily predictable. So they can both stabilize um, some hegemonic relations, but they can also uh, undermine them. There's a broad um, range of potential alter uh, and counter performative effects. Thanks.